The following is a sermon from Pastor David Salinas of Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. It happened. It happened at the most pivotal point in history. As Jesus stood there, he got a petty looking before the petty Roman governor Pilate in the pre dawn hours of Good Friday. It was at that moment, that precise moment, that the Lord Jesus publicly announced the reason for his birth. And he said it this way, a way that was astonishing. Of all the ways, of all the ways that Christ, at the most important point in history, could have finished the blank of this statement, the reason I was born and came into the world, this is what he said. Pay attention. To testify to the truth. The reason I was born and came into the world was to testify to the truth. So Jesus is the king of truth. You know, one of the most beautiful proclamations that Easter makes to us is our intimate connection to Christ, where we are to him as our own souls are to our bodies, so intricately interwoven with him, inseparably so. And so what that means is this, that as we stand in this circle of complete joy, where we are in fellowship with Christ and in fellowship with one another, of all the beautiful things that we are inside of that circle, of all the astonishing identities that we possess inside the sphere of the Holy Trinity, we are princesses and princesses of truth. At least, that is what we are to be in life. We are to be people who love the truth. People who love to, to dig into God's word and mine it for every last little bit of ore and gold that we can have and then take all of those treasures and do like Mary, just put them in the treasure chest of our hearts and ponder them and hold them. We, we are to be people who love to take our hands and plunge them into the, into the mire, the smelly, stinky swamp of all kinds of air, pull out the truth, wipe it clean, hold it in trembling hands, and then hold it out for all to see. We are to be people that no matter what we are, whether we are on Wall Street, whether we are stay-at-home moms, whether we are students or little children or pastors or lay people, we are to be people in whatever vocation that we have that fill in that blank in the same way that the King of Truth did. The reason I was born, the reason I came into the world, the reason that I live now is to testify to the truth. The world needs people of truth. It needs people of truth more than ever. Ironically, because the world more and more has less room in its heart. You see, we live in these last days, the, the time between when Jesus came the first time to redeem us 
with his own sacrifice, and the time that he is going to be coming to redeem our bodies from the grave, that last day, we live in these last days, and one of the markers of that last day is this, that the love of many, especially for the truth of God's word, will be growing old, and yet it is that fact that ironically requires and necessitates that there be people of truth in this world, because it's only the truth that is going to season the world and salt it, preserving it just a little while longer so that that truth can go around and, 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 and pick up and collect and gather in all of God's elected friends. The world needs you. And it needs me. Are you ready? Join me and with your left hands, if you're right-handed, or with your right hands, if you're left-handed, take up the shield of faith, and with that other hand, your strong hand, you join me to take up the sword of the Spirit that is the Word of God, and as one people, like a Greek phalanx that cannot be defeated, let us march forward with the truth, against, not against flesh and blood, but a true holy war against the forces of evil in the spiritual realm. Take up your worship folders, open them up, and follow along with me with this battle cry from St. John. And may your joy be true. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because Many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come from the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them, surely, yes. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of of falsehood. So how do we do it? How do we recognize and identify who is speaking for God? There's always a lively question, always a burning question. You click on the internet, and if you're searching for anything religious or anything, you will have umpteen things, umpteen blogs, and ministries, and messages, and proclamations of all sorts. It is perhaps still true that, that this month, of course, as we, as we prepare to send out our own young men and women into the public ministry, our young men from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary graduating, and then our young men and women from Martin Luther College, that, that, that perhaps at the very same time, very many students from very many Bible colleges all across our land will be, will be graduating. And, and, and in our nation, perhaps, it is still true that there are more students in Bible colleges than, than perhaps the rest of the world combined. 
There are, there are more translations of the Bible in English than ever before. There, my goodness, there are countless, countless churches across our land. Do you know how many churches or ministries there are in Woodside alone? Over 60, just in this neighborhood. How in the world do you know who's speaking for God? Now that is not a small question. That is not a minor matter. Because only the spirit that comes from God is a salutary spirit, a health-giving, life-giving spirit. The only words of eternal life are the words that flow from the mouth of God. Every other spirit, every message that is utter, other, as, as the Greek says, heteros, where you get the word heterodox. It's a malignant spirit. Because just as is true with sin, so with every false doctrine, every false teaching, there is no such thing as an innocent one. It's all poison. It's all cancerous and all gangrenous. And even, even if the poison doesn't immediately kill, it certainly doesn't provide any blessing to the soul. How do you know who's speaking for God? To complicate matters for us and, and to make the whole question all the more important and all the more vital for us as we seek to, to be these people of truth and, and proclaim the truth of God's word out into the world is this point. It's, it's a point that Jesus made very clearly to, to his disciples as they were leaving Jerusalem on that Holy Tuesday and they were climbing up the, the Mount of Olives and they were looking back and they were seeing that golden that golden sheen of the temple glistening and Jesus said, I tell you the truth, not one of those stones is all going to be demolished. And then he gave this one marker of the end times. He said, in these last days, there would be many false prophets who would go out. And these false prophets would deceive many. He even said this, that the false prophets would deceive even the elect, even God's chosen, if it were possible. It's not possible, but if this is how tricky it is. This is how subtle it is. This is how insidious and diabolical the whole thing is. Jesus says, don't look for the false prophet that's going to say, hey, I'm a false prophet, because he's not going to say that. You look for the wolf in sheep's clothing. And it's all couched and all covered beneath layer after layer of much that is true. In fact, this is what gives, I would say it this way, corporeality or physicality or, or an embodiment to that malignant spirit that John identifies here at the end of verse 3 that he calls the spirit of the Antichrist. It very much is exactly what that prefix anti is in Greek. See, in, in Greek, anti doesn't first and foremost mean against or opposed to. It does mean that. An antichrist surely is opposed to and against Christ. But anti actually means in place of. That's the first definition. So the antichrist is a substitute Jesus. And so the whole thing is insidious. Because antichrist will come and he will proclaim to you even Christ. At least a version of him. And he will put before you a very clear profession of Christ except for in very important detail and at the very heart of it all, the merciful Lord, the Lord of absolute grace, the holy judge will always be there, but the merciful Lord will be absent, propped out of the picture. How do you know who is speaking for God? I'm 
God want us to have this sink into our hearts, I mean real, and how relevant and what a vital question we have before us at this moment. And so I would like us to hear from a dear old friend of ours, from a day long past, speak to us from the grave about what life was like for him when he was breathing in and inviting all these spirits of falsehood. When I was a monk, I was unwilling to omit any of the prayers. But when I was busy with public lecturing and writing, I often accumulated my appointed prayers for a whole week or even two or three weeks. Then I would shut myself in for as long as three days without food and drink until I had said all of my prayers. This made my head split, and as a consequence, I could not close my eyes for five nights. I lay sick close to death and went out of my mind. I used to confess and list off my sins for as long as six hours. Pastor Tim, can you imagine somebody in your office confessing to you for six hours straight? Wow, I... Wow. And yet my conscience, after six hours, could never give me certainty, but I always doubted, and I said, you did not perform that correctly. You were not sorry enough. You left that out of your confession. And the more I tried to remedy an uncertain, weak, and afflicted conscience, conscience with the traditions of men, the more each day I found it more uncertain and weaker and more troubled. Can you feel his hopelessness? Can you feel his anguish as he walks around but he is sunk in despair and his terror and he is feeling the very flames of hell just laughing up close to his heart and he feels he is going to be lost. That torture of the soul of Martin Luther happened for one reason only because because he did not have the whole truth. And while Christ was proclaimed to him on one side, he was pre preached and put before his eyes as the holy, righteous judge which he is. But the merciful Lord, the Lord who loves sinners, the Lord who forgives sinners, the Lord who lavishes people with faith, that by faith alone they can stand right with him, that was out of the picture. And so, he was that tormented. This is how much he needs. This is how important it is. How do you know who is speaking for God? Well, John says it, doesn't he? Dear friends, do not be believe the Lord Jesus with all of your heart, but with all of your heart do not believe every spirit that goes out of the mouths of people, every confession. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Or maybe we would say it this way. The way in which we determine who is speaking for God and who is not is by being like those beautiful Bereans that the Apostle Paul met on his way down into Corinth from Thessalonica. And, and remember what they did? They did not just nod approvingly at every word that came out of Paul's mouth because it was the great Apostle Paul who was preaching it. But what they did is what that concerned parent does when, when she hears that, for example, that vaccinations cause autism or lead to autism, immediately she scours the internet and, and searches both sides of the issue just to determine if there's any validity to the whole thing. And when they listened to the Apostle Paul, these Berean people, they scoured the scriptures. I mean, they dug into them, who knows, for hours, research after research, to, to ensure that the words that flew out of the mouth of the Apostle Paul matched word for word the words that flew out of the mouth of the Holy Spirit that he inspired in the prophets of old. 
That is how we determine truth from error. Okay, beautiful Lutheran Berean Christians, can we practice this right now? Can we practice discerning the truth from error? Not in an arrogant way, but in an honest way, because we love the Lord, we love His Word, and we love the souls of all of us. I want you to read, I'm going to read to you some spirits, actual public confessions of faith from churches that are presently active now. And I want you in your mind to discern and determine the truth. Ready? Here we go. Before this mortal life, we live with God as His spirit children. So we existed before. Without physical bodies, we chose the Father's plan, which included the creation of this earth, and provided us the opportunity to come here to gain a body, make choices, develop faith, and accept responsibility for our actions. And this activity allows us to progress beyond what is possible in the spirit world we live with God. Official teaching from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We believe that the Bible teaches that Jesus is the Son of God, but not part of the Trinity. We do not believe that the soul is immortal, that there is any basis in Scripture for saying that God tortures people in an everlasting hell. Those who through no fault of their own do not know the gospel of Christ, but who nevertheless seek God with a sincere heart and moved by grace, try in their actions to do His will as they know it through the dictates of their conscience. Those two may attain eternal salvation. However, if anyone says that men obtain from God through faith alone in Christ the grace of justification, let him be anathema. So if you believe that you are saved exclusively by faith alone and Christ alone, go to hell. The official teaching of the Roman Catholic. It is, it is vital, but what a burden to be bereaved. Sometimes it is so hard to decipher the truth. Sometimes reading this can be confusing, and it's difficult, and it's not only painstaking, but it's painful. And so much of it can be couched in so much in so many words that are good. And added to that burden, added to that burden, is, is the fact that, that many of the false teachings that are proclaimed find a sympathetic ear in our hearts. I mean, it doesn't mind. Who here, with a shred of decency, with a shred of compassion in his or her heart, with, with an amber of fairness burning within your heart, does not wish that the Roman Catholic's teaching was true, that, that, that people who just did not have the opportunity to hear about Jesus as their Savior, yet could do the best that they could, and try the best that they could, could still make it to heaven by those efforts. I mean, we can understand, we can understand uh, an unrepentant sociopath who tortures and murders children being sent to hell. But, but, but it is so hard to consider that the child who was murdered and tortured could go there simply because he or her grew up in an unbelieving home and did not have the opportunity or, or was not presented with the chance to hear about Jesus. 
And added to that burden is the burden of the difficulty of rejection that comes as we proclaim the truth. And so, oh my goodness, I mean, I, I, guys, I had her. We had her in our midst, and she was coming to church here and loving it, and enjoying it. So I had a meeting with her, and I'm saying, we just love it. I'm so delighted you have been within our fellowship, and I wanted to give her just this, this grace, and, and I said to her, I would like to just start Bible instruction with you so that you can prepare you to receive the Lord's Supper with us and, and join us in our fellowship and our mission. And, and then she said, well, wait, you mean I have to do a Bible study with you before I take the Lord's Supper? And I said, yes, we want, we want to make sure that your heart is well prepared, and then you can make this honest confession. Ah, she hasn't been back since. Ah. And it hurts, because I want to hurt. And then added to that burden is the weight of our own prideful heart. We need to be very careful about because it can easily lead us to become these, these self-righteous, stuck-up snobs that think that because you know that they have it right and they're better than, than other people and they can look down on other Christians and criticize other Christians. So, so I actually heard a Wells man blurt out one time about Christians from another Christian denomination. Those people are so stupid for believing that. And and you know, I'm always like a day late and a dollar short with comebacks. I'm always really slow with comebacks, but. But boy, now that I think about this is what I wanted to say to him at the time. I wanted to say to him, you know what? They're not stupid. They've just been taught wrong. Stupid, rather, is the person that knows ahead of time that a proud Pharisee is closer to hell than a repentant prostitute and still surrenders to his proud, simple heart. Oh, the burden of being Berean is heavy. But you know what's heavier still? The glory of the absolute victory and incomparable blessing that is ours as we seek to be these beautiful Berean Christians that mine the oars of God's word, that hold them dearly and hold them out. And John, in one incredible, glowing, glistening pronoun, places this heavy gold from God right on our hearts. Look at that first pronoun that verse 4 starts in. Ready? Here it is. You Are there many false prophets that are out in the world right now? Yes, there are. Is the spirit of Antichrist still roaming this world to and fro, seeking whom he may devour with Satan at the other end of the leash? Yes, he is. But they will not overcome, they will not overcome you, they will not overcome you because you, dear friends, are from God and have overcome them. That is what the Apostle John says. This is what the Apostle John says. You are from God and have overcome them. And I tell you, that truth will not conquer error, and the darkness will not overcome the light, and poison will not swallow up the living water of life, and the weeds and the tares, no matter how many Satan sows in this world, they will not choke out the good seed of faith that will produce a crop 60 or 100 times more than it was sown. Not as long as there is breath in your body 
That will not happen because, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Your victorious Savior, who overcame all of the ungodly spirits from the deepest pits of hell and overcame every weakness and every sin in you. You know what he did? In your baptism, he, he anointed you. He literally, I want you to think of it this way. He took ointment and he covered you. He smothered you in this holy ointment, all from head to toe, this ointment that seeps into the very marrow of who you are. And in you right now, is the very same ointment that covered Jesus in his baptism. The spirit of the Lord. The spirit of wisdom and of might and of the counsel of the Lord. The spirit of knowledge and understanding and of the fear of our God. That is who is in you. And that means that through faith in your dear Savior Jesus, you are everything that the Holy Spirit is. You are a holy, mighty, unconquerable warrior of the truth of love, of the fear of God, and you will be Berean, you will have insights into God's Word because the Holy Spirit is in you and will open up those insights, revealing to you all the words that the Lord Jesus has spoken to you, and you will have an understanding, you will have a courageous love to speak the truth, and you will have that humble love to speak it in this way, with the appreciation that there before the grace of God go you, and the only reason you have the truth is because, like Mary, you have been so undeservedly by the Most High. And through you, the world will see Jesus and be saved. One soul. This is my plea to you. Make the love, make, make the study and the hearing of God's word, your one love, your fondest ambition in your life. Pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to endow that man sitting in the back and myself with the words of eternal life, the spirits that come only from God, and that our hearts burn on fire to preach the truth and to all who come to our midst. Pray for those young men who will be graduating at the end of this month from our seminary. For the young men and women who will be graduating Martin Luther College here in a couple of weeks as they go out into the public ministry and into the battlefield. Pray that they would be faithful proclaimers of the truth and faithful witnesses of the King of Truth. Test our words. Embrace and find deep satisfaction and great eagerness in our message. And may the very same result that the Lord worked among the Bereans for their faithfulness be worked in us. That many believe in the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Amen.